0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
1: All right, hour number three, Danny Dusty with you on this Thursday. Coming up this hour, we'll talk... Thursday night football we got to get our picks in as well as we got a little fighting going on leading up to Thursday night football our picks will come next Uh, but right now we bring on the sports director for KSL down in Salt Lake City covers the Utah Utes uh, which are humming right along after an opening of the season with the setback down in the swamp against Florida the 12th ranked Utes welcome in Oregon State for an 11 a.m. kick on the Pac-12 network Josh thanks for taking a few minutes for us man how you doing?
2: I'm doing well. It's good to be here.
1: You know, this has been one of those years where, I mean, it's kind of becoming uh, frustratingly all too common for Utah. The start is a little bit slow, but as the season progresses and you get into the month of October, it's one of the scariest teams in all of college football. Uh, What have you seen in the growth from this team that had that setback uh, on the goal line down at Florida to where they are now uh, entering week two of conference play?
2: Yeah, I think it's a team that's playing much more like themselves. Where they, you know, they're not getting a little too excited. They're not uh, kind of letting the moment of the game get to them. Uh, that first game, I mean, they spent a whole year basically preparing for that. You're going down to SEC country, which doesn't really happen that often for Pac-12 teams. Uh, you know, they they overpursued. They knew they had a dual threat quarterback that was expected to be a Heisman contender. And, you know, and I think they kind of just let their their assignments kind of go out the window and, and just tried to do too much. But you know, since then, I think Utah's really kind of honed in. It's been easier that way since their schedule has has, has eased up. Um, but they've really uh, honed in on on just being assignment sound, doing whatever they need to do to be able to develop. Um, and plus, quite honestly, their their freshman uh, linebacker and and some of the more experienced guys in the defense, you know, they're they're developing, and you're starting to see them feel more comfortable back there, and starting to to really kind of hit their stride. I know it's only four weeks into the season, but. I think that's kind of where Utah is at right now. Is they're they're finally kind of getting into where they need to be and 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 really just hitting that stride of of just playing comfortable football and and not letting other outside influences impact them.
3: Well, before we dive into the, the Utah Oregon State uh, specifics, I, w- I want to know because locally, the belief around Oregon State is that they're they're for real, especially after kind of uh, holding their own, so to speak, against USC. Uh, and they have another measurement game here against Utah. What is the, the kind of regional outlook on Oregon State after that performance against USC? Uh, obviously, the, the, there's the game from last year where Oregon State, and I mean, they, they handled Utah, so they're not going to come in uh, as an unknown quantity. But where are they kind of viewed, and, and where has Whittingham kind of pegged this team uh, nationally or, with, or within the conference?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think he has a lot of respect for Oregon State. Uh, I, I think ever, ever since Jonathan Smith took over, uh, you can see that, the, you know, the program's been on the rise and they've been able to have the success that, that obviously many in Corvallis want to see. But I think you're seeing that in the conference as well, you know, and I think nothing did it more beneficial for Oregon State than beating Utah last year, right? I think mm. it was the one loss that Utah had in conference play last year. Everything was seemingly going well. You know, they didn't – I, I think a lot of people expected them to go up to Corvallis, roll over the Beavers, and, and just kind of go on their way. And, it, it, you know, Utah didn't play as well as they, they needed to, and a lot of that is to credit to Oregon State. Uh, They're a physical team. You know, they got after it. Uh, in a lot of respect, Kyle kind of sees this team as, as kind of being similar to the way his team plays, right? There's a lot of collar type mentality in this where these two teams can just kind of go to battle. And I think as a result of that, I think you're starting to see Oregon State kind of really rise in, in terms of how Utah prepares for them. Now, I think a lot of that really does have to do with how last year played out for them. Utah felt like it it, it really kind of blew the opportunity there and, and didn't do what it needed to do to be able to come out with a win. So, if anything, that gives you a lot more respect in Utah's eyes, right? It's just because they want to be able to get this win, and so it's not one of those games that they're going to gloss over. It's not going to be those things where you're looking ahead to somebody else, So at least from a regional standpoint and kind of in this area, Oregon State very much so has their attention. Everybody kind of has been paying attention to them. They see how well they've been able to build the program up there and are excited for this game, honestly. They really are.
1: We're talking with Josh Furlong. He covers Utah for KSL.com down in Salt Lake City. You know, when I think of Utah football, I also think of the musts, and it's usually night games and that student section being so rowdy – um, during the night games, do they wake up early? Because this is going to be an eleven o'clock, a, eleven a.m. kick on the West Coast, noon kick uh, in Salt Lake City. Is it going to be an environment as we're usually as we're used to from the must the student section?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it'll have some impact, right? I think they're going to show up. They're excited for this game. It's homecoming for whatever that means to people. I don't know if that still means much to anybody anymore. Um, but I, I think that student section has been well this year they've already had an an afternoon game and they they filled out that section fairly well so you know i think based on that past president precedent i think they you know will will fill the stadium and and be able to do what they need to but but you're right i mean the electric atmosphere of this of of having this as a night game where you know it's dark and you've got it just this this rapid fan base that that really wants to get after a team Uh, i I do think you're going to lose some of that and it's going to kind of uh, negate maybe some of the, the home field advantage that Utah could have with that mouse, uh student section. Um, but, I, but I think they're going to show up. I think they're going to be loud. They, they've they been far better this year than they were last year. I don't know if it was just maybe COVID or, or something else. They didn't really fill out that section very well. This year they seem to be doing much better. So I think you're at least going to see the students show up in a way that that should bring the noise and kind of keep it still an electric environment. With
3: Utah obviously losing that, that game down in the swamp at the start of the season, did that change kind of the perception internally about what any goals were or was it that it was a misstep and kind of that's they need to rebound beyond that if they basically win out, they can still be where they want to be?
2: Yeah, I don't think it necessarily changed their goals. I mean, I don't think there was anybody really actively talking about uh, playoffs or anything that way. Uh, and, and the reality is is everything else is still on the table, right? Pac-12 championship, maybe going back to a Rose Bowl. So I don't, I don't think that changed their mentality. If anything, what it did is it calmed them down, right? Like, I think mm. coming into that game, it's not like they were, um, you know, talking so much about that game or, or really trying to do it, but, you know, you're human, right? You, you're excited for that game and, and the emotions kind of get to you, especially with nine months of preparing for that, especially with the expectations of coming on as a number seventh ranked team in the country. A lot of people are expecting Utah to really, just going to be the flag bearer for the Pac-12 after really missing the playoffs for, for the last few years. So I think now that that's, that's gone, I think that they, they've been able to breathe a little bit more, kind of get into their game a little bit. Uh, I, I still think they all feel like they have uh, all the expectations and all their goals still in place. Sure, they missed that opportunity, and you'll hear them talk about that. But I think it was more of a, a good week one reset for them and their mentality than, than anything else.
1: You know, one of the most incredible stats in college football this year is that 52% of the yards uh, passing come from tight ends uh, on the receiving end of those. And Dalton Kincaid and Brant Keithy, they are still giving Oregon fans nightmares from what they did to them a year ago. Um, But with Keithy out for for the year with injury, Thomas Yasmin just comes right in and he has a 72-yard touchdown against Arizona State last week. How much is this offense affected though without Keithy, who's who's the do it all tight end where he can block and be such a dynamic pass catcher?
2: Yeah, to say that, that Utah's not going to miss uh, uh Brand Keithy is, is you know is incorrect. That you know he's he's one of those players that you can put him in any position and he's going to be effective for you. Uh, he's a mismatch wherever you go, and so that that had created a great opportunity for Utah to be able to use him. And quite honestly, he was Cam Rising's favorite target. I mean, he. Cam wouldn't go through his progressions all the time because he knew he could get it to Grant Keefe. So so in some respects, you know, that opens up the offense a little bit, allows other people to kind of eat, so to speak, as the kids say right now. <laughs> um, but I think that, that gives uh, uh, Utah a little bit more dynamic ability to be able to, to move forward. Dalton Kincaid obviously becomes the focal point in the tight end group, but they have a lot of guys that are able to do it, right? I I, I don't want to sit here and say that it's not going to impact their offense because it will, but I think – this year, more than maybe many years past, they have the depth the positions and the skills players to be able to do it. The question is, can Utah go through that and be able to do that knowing that Cam doesn't have, you know, his guaranteed guy that he can always go to. Now, Kincaid has been that guy, um, but I think, you know, you lose that when you, when you have somebody that's off the field now, especially with leadership and his ability to kind of talk to the team. So. Uh, it, it'll be an interesting thing. That's something that I'm looking forward to watching this week and just kind of seeing how Utah moves forward with this, especially against an Oregon State team that, you know, they're a great defense. Uh, in the past game, you know, they're going to get after it. So uh, to me, that's kind of where that, that next level comes for Utah. Can they, can they overcome tee effect, and can they continue to kind of hum along as, as many expected them to?
3: Cam Rising, uh, he stubbed his toe a little bit against Florida, but others, outside of that, he's been spectacular this season. Uh, he's right up there in the leaders in passing yards in the, in the conference. Uh, he's second in the conference in total touchdown passes. His completion percentage is up there. His quarterback rating is up there. He's run for over 100 yards. He's been phenomenal, and he's probably not getting the love that he should be. But when you're taking a look at uh, what Oregon State was able to do to USC, and, and and USC's offensive line has had a little bit of struggles. Uh, they've had some in, inconsistencies at the tackle positions. Where Utah really hasn't. But do you do you look at this game as that kind of being one of the defining factors of this game? Is if is, if Oregon State can get home like they did against USC, they they uh, pressured Caleb Williams eleven times, sacked him once. Um, is that a, a concern or a decisive factor uh, in the in this Utah Oregon State matchup for you?
2: I, I think so. I mean, I think to to a lot of extent, they you, what what Florida did that was uh, successful was they set up Cam Rising. They made him feel uncomfortable. You know, you have bigger bodies down in the SEC, and they're coming at you fast. Uh, that really uh, it didn't let Cam go through his progressions or kind of get into a comfortable feel until maybe the second half. And then they started getting it, but they, by then it was kind of a little too little, too late. Mm-hmm. That that's kind of where I see Oregon State here, right? If they can really put pressure on Cam Rising, what is he? It'll be able to be comfortable he's got his home crowd with him so that's going to be a little bit different and help him but i think he has to be the type of quarterback to take the next level he has to go through those progressions right he has to feel comfortable there knowing that his offensive line will protect him and, then, and they've done a phenomenal job this year probably better than we were expecting but i think he has to be able to kind of control that offense and as long as cam rising is calm and collected and is able to kind of go through what he needs to do I think Utah's offense would be fine, even if Oregon State is dialing up the blitzes and they're really getting into that backfield. You know, they need Cam to kind of be that calming force. And and the times when he's not, that's when that offense sputters, right? You're, you've seen it in a few games earlier this season with San Diego State. They got sped up, and they, they were missing reads, and, you know, they weren't in sync, and they weren't able to do these these things that you've seen Cam Rising do since he he got the start last year. And so I think that's one of those areas where as long as they can keep him um, you know, calm and collected. I think Utah is going to be fine offensively. That doesn't mean that they're going to win or that they're going to be able to have a ton of success in the passing game. But I think that's kind of the, the where it starts. So him and his relationship with his offensive line.
1: Josh Furlong. He covers the Utah Utes for KSL. Uh, .com down in Salt Lake City he is also the sports director down there. Uh, does a great job on all thing Utes. Give him a follow at J on Twitter, you know, there's one thing that you got to ask um, Cam Rising before we let you go. you got to ask Cam Rising if he's seen uh, the movie Point, Point Break. Break yet because he told us at Pac-12 Media Day he wants to be an FBI agent and he has not seen the movie Point Break where Johnny Utah is a former quarterback who joins, joins the FBI. You, you have to get him on that if he hasn't already.
2: I I will definitely ask him about that. We'll see if he'll answer. He he might shy away from that one. We'll see. All right. You can blame it on us.
1: Yeah, thanks, Josh. Appreciate it, man. Will do. Thank you so much. (laughs) All right, Josh Furlong from KSL.com.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours.